Okay, in this series, I want to talk about modular application architecture. So I'm gonna uh, write out some notes uh, about kind of what I wanna do in this series. So this is uh, modular uh, app architecture. And the reason I wanna talk about this is that it's something that I have come across numerous times in my iOS development career. And it's something that I've uh, had some success with, and I want to sort of uh, solidify some of the concepts and the ideas and talk about uh, the benefits that you can get uh, by following this approach. So the, the first question is, why do we want to do this? Um, and I want to talk about what happens when, the, when your project gets a lot bigger. Maybe your team size is growing. Uh, you have you know, more than one thing going on at the same time. Uh, there are some problems that you see with larger projects, and uh, I'm just going to sort of list some of these out. One of them uh, that I would uh, note is there's often contention uh, or conflicts, I should say, on the Xcode project file. Xcode proj. And this is similarly true for storyboards, boards, and zibs and asset catalogs and other other files but really the main one that i want to talk about is xcode project files the xcode project file as your application grows it contains the list of all your files and what targets they belong to it contains build phases and build settings and it's all kind of dumped into this format that's not very easy for us to read uh, if things if you're just adding a file here and there then diff tools can usually just merge those automatically uh, but if you are working on a large project, you're probably going to run into this problem where Xcode projects tend to be just a pain in the neck to uh, reconcile. And it can become a risk for your projects because, um, you know, if you, if you uh, merge a project file and you accidentally remove a, a file from uh, the project, then next time you build, the build will fail and you'll go look at it and, you know, be able to find it. Uh, so there's a little bit of manual work. Um, but there's other more insidious things, like let's say there's a build setting that's really important for your application, um, and your application builds without it just fine in debug mode, but maybe in release mode it doesn't. And uh, sometimes those build settings can be kind of hidden in the project file, and a, you know, an incorrect merge can end up uh, maybe reverting that setting back to the default value. And uh, so Xcode projects you know, are kind of a problem with large teams. Um, there is something else uh, to consider for that particular problem, which is to migrate to XC config files, which I think is a good idea. Um, and I've talked about that a long time ago on NS Screencast. Uh, so you can find that episode as well, where you can extract you know important build settings into config files. Uh, but the overall problem of everybody working in the same project file can sometimes uh, introduce conflicts. Uh, the second uh, major problem I want to talk about is build times. Um, if you've worked on any project that is significant, significantly complex, uh, you're probably noticing build times that take quite a while. You know, uh, the project that I work on right now, uh, clean build takes you know three or four minutes on a fast machine. So uh, this notion of, um, you know, the way I like to think about this is you have sort of um, say your project size over here, and then you have uh, build time on this axis, right? And as your project gets bigger, you know, the build time increases, something like that. 
And then uh, there's some sort of threshold here that once you cross that threshold, uh, your brain sort of <laughs> gives up and says, hey, what else can I do? Uh, so you start co to compile and it takes a long time and maybe, maybe now's a good time that I can check Twitter or I can uh, check up on some email or I'm gonna look at Slack and respond to this message. And that sort of takes us out of our flow that we're in and makes it to where we're less productive. Our brain is switching context to something else because we are just sitting there waiting for the build. And uh, this is something that I find is just a killer for productivity. What I would really like to have is, you know, optimize our project for a fast feedback cycle. And feedback, if I can spell, feed, not feed, feedback cycle. So I want a very fast feedback cycle and large projects basically make that really difficult or, or impossible. Uh, you may reach a, a point in your Xcode project where uh, the Swift UI live previews will fail to compile in time in order to show up the, the preview and that makes the previews kind of worthless. And uh, you know, building and running your changes when you're doing UI work and stuff like that, it is not fun when you have to like move a label over by two pixels to see what it looks like or change the font size to see if it matches the spec and and have to do a, a build and run on the device and then see your changes and that feedback cycle is just really important and i think large projects really go against that and then another large problem is sort of um, unclear dependencies and I'm going to talk a lot about dependencies in this series because dependencies are kind of really important for us to understand and to keep a handle on. Now, dependencies aren't necessarily bad. Uh, there's dependencies everywhere. For instance, uh, right now I depend on a pencil and my recording software and a camera. Or if I'm doing uh, Xcode development, I'm dependent on the operating system. I'm dependent on Apple's SDKs and Xcode, the development environment. So dependencies are literally everywhere. And you want to be thoughtful about which dependencies you actually uh, want to depend on. And there's lots of third-party code out there. Uh, some of it is great and some of it is not. Uh, and... Uh, many people will say, oh, dependencies are awful. And, uh, you know, I think the the, sen the sentiment there is uh, unchecked dependencies or adding dependencies without thought is awful um, because it can introduce real problems in your software. Um, for instance, a project I work on uh, brings in React Native. React Native itself is not inherently bad, uh, but it does contain quite a lot of dependencies. And it is actually made up of, I don't know, 100 or so uh, internal pods that provide functionality. And there's, there's extensions for React Native that bring in their own stuff and they integrate via CocoaPods. It ends up adding quite a lot of weight to the build um, because of the way it's structured. It's a heavy dependency. Um, and I also want to talk about dependencies like in your own project, so, you know, like pieces of your code that depend on other pieces of your own application. And so this is kind of the reason why I like to approach this topic and create an architecture that's more modular. Okay, so what does that look like? Um, say right now we've got just sort of, sort of one big app and it's got, you know, Swift files in it. And maybe that has some external dependencies, uh, you know, third-party dependencies via CocoaPods or Swift Package Manager or whatever. So those, you know, some dependencies over here and they're just sort of collect like this. And our app depends on that. 
And we, the idea is that we want to break this apart into smaller pieces. And each piece I'm going to call a module, not to be confused with the Swift terminology module, but just an individual piece of our application that we can build and test separately. Um, and it has its own clearly thought out dependencies. So uh, the, the problem that I mentioned earlier is, let's say um, we, one of these dependencies is just, just a pain in the butt to work with. Uh, and I wanna isolate myself during development from that dependency so I don't have to deal with its intricacies or its weight or, or how it works. Maybe I don't even have like uh, the, the appropriate API keys to, to use this in development and it spits out a bunch of warnings or uh, you know, there's a bunch of reasons why I may wanna isolate myself from that uh, to make testing easier. So we wanna split this up into separate modules. And the reason why you might wanna do that is basically to counteract all of the things I said before. We want faster build times, we want uh, clearer dependencies, we wanna enable uh, people to work separately, um, have fast feedback on our ideas and things like that. Um, additionally, it can enable scenarios, like let's say we have an iPhone app and now uh, we have a marketing app. If I can draw a little watch. So now we have a watch, we have an iPhone app. Well, guess what? They probably need to share some code. And so we already see some areas where we may want to reuse code um, so that we can use uh, a watch extension. We could use a, a totally separate app. Like for instance, uh, let's say you're a larger company and you've got you know, application one and application two, and they may need to share some stuff like say your Uber, for instance, and Uber probably has a driver app. Well, I know they do and a rider app. And uh, so they have different experience, but it's the same company and they're both public actually. You know, if you're a driver, you can download the driver app. If you're a rider, you download the rider app and they probably need to share all kinds of stuff, right? Uh, what would they need to share? Uh, maybe uh, fonts, colors, images, uh, images, UI controls, right? So that's a lot of UI stuff, branding. You could all kind of consider this branding. Uh, what else would they contain? Uh, probably a lot of shared networking, you know, storage related things like core data, cloud kit or whatever. Um, and, you know, models, API related stuff. There's a whole bunch of stuff you would share between these two applications, but they would probably be delivered by two completely separate teams with completely separate agendas, uh, you know, features that they want to ship out in, in this quarter or whatever. And you want to be able to allow those teams to sort of reuse concepts across the company so that things can be consistent. Uh, but you don't want to get in their way, right? We don't want to have two separate teams with different goals or directions working in the same Xcode project. That seems like uh, not a great idea. Um, okay, so these are some reasons why we might want to uh, split apart an application into smaller pieces. Uh, okay, now let's talk about how we actually do that. So there are three main approaches that I have seen and worked with in the past. Uh, one of them is nested Xcode projects. So this is 
not actually that common, but sometimes you see this where you have one parent project and inside of that you can add other projects to it. Uh, say that project uh, builds a, a iOS framework and you can uh, add a dependency to that framework so that you can open up just this one project if you want to and build and iterate and test it if you want to. And then you can build the entire stack of software with the parent project. Another one is a Swift package manager. And if you're not already using Swift package manager, it's gotten quite a bit better um, over the last few versions of Xcode. Uh, many of the libraries we depend on use Swift package manager already, and uh, you can create your own packages pretty easily. And Xcode actually has support for package.swift being your source of truth rather than creating an Xcode project file. So there are many benefits of making your own internal Swift packages and then having your main application target depend on these Swift packages. So that's another approach. And then the third approach uh, that I have seen uh, is with internal CocoaPods. And uh, there's a little bit more kind of ceremony, I would say, for this setup, a little bit more work uh, to make this work properly. Um, but it is definitely something that uh, works and is especially useful if you already have a project that uses CocoaPods heavily, then your own internal pods just become part of this mix. Uh, and so really which choice you choose, which direction you go, doesn't necessarily matter as long as you're able to do, you know, a number of things. One is build separately, right? We want to be able to build separately. I want to be able to build this in isolation. If I'm working on some networking code, I just want to open up the networking project and just go to town on that, write tests. I want to iterate quickly. Um, we want to be able to uh, manage our dependencies, right? So if I am using CocoaPods, let's say, and I want to bring in the SnapKit library and Alamo Fire and a couple of others, uh, which of my own internal modules is going to depend on those things and how do I sort of keep all those things in check? Um, I also want to enable things like example projects. What do I mean by that? I mean that if I'm working on a, uh, say, a UI toolkit for my company, I want to be able to build and run a totally separate iOS project that has maybe a menu of, hey, here is all the buttons and all their states, and here is a, an example of a split view, and here's an example of our custom tab bar control, and here's an example of this custom slider. I want to be able to not only use this as a way for me to iterate on it and run it and see the results of my work, but also to share this with other people. So um, all, of these, uh, all of these can support that, and, and that's sort of the goal. Um, so which ones we choose, really up to you and sort of depends on your sensibilities and what dependencies you already have. If you already have CocoaPods dependencies, then option three is probably uh, going to be the most attractive choice. And, um, but if all of your dependencies are in Swift Package Manager, then option number one or two is probably a better choice for you. Um, it is actually quite uh, cumbersome to mix dependency managers and I would advise against it. So if you already have Swift Package Manager dependencies, uh, adding CocoaPods may make that a little bit uh, troublesome and vice versa is also true. If you're using uh, Swift Package Manager and trying to pull in CocoaPods dependencies, uh, that can also be a pain. Okay, 
so now that we know sort of the background and the why we want to do this and three different strategies for doing this, um, I will definitely cover option one and two in this series. If you'd like me to cover option number three with CocoaPods, uh, having your own internal pods, then please let me know as a comment to this episode. Uh, and if there's uh, interest in that, I will add uh, another episode or two on how to do this with CocoaPods. Uh, but it is a bit more involved. Okay, so with all of that out of the way, I wanna talk lastly about just sort of some recommended first steps. Recommended first steps. Uh, because I would advise that you don't just start with this architecture usually, you usually have something and then you realize, oh, it'd be really nice if I could pull this apart into its own thing. So um, in your own projects, maybe think about things like um, the, the branding, all of the fonts and colors. Um, sometimes we'll call this style guide. So this can contain things like fonts, colors, uh, UI controls, things like that. Uh, that's one option. This will largely depend on UI kit. And again, dependencies, it's, it's important to call these out. Maybe Swift UI. If I did depend on SwiftUI in this particular module, well, guess what? This guy has an iOS 13 dependency. So if I decided, oh, I wanna bring this in, but I'm iOS 12, well, if I included SwiftUI, I couldn't do that, right? So these are, these are important things to think about. And it may be a reason why you wanna isolate or split apart this. Maybe you have a style guide for UIKit and a style guide for SwiftUI. Um, or maybe you, you know, don't expose any of the SwiftUI functions and just use it for previews or something. But it's definitely something to be thoughtful about uh, what your you know, framework dependencies are. Um, we might have something called util. And the idea of util is more about extensions and you know, helpers and things like this. Things that are not specific to your domain, not specific to your company, uh, things that really are just ergonomic to make you a more productive programmer, to be more happier with the code, to do things in a quicker way. This will probably have a dependency just on foundation and nothing else. I wouldn't want to depend on UIKit here uh, necessarily. And uh, let's see, other things that we might want to pull out, some sort of core uh, thing that has models in it, uh, maybe services. And when I say services, I'm not necessarily talking about networking, but I'm talking about uh, objects that can take in uh, APIs and storage and things like that and maybe coordinate a workflow. Like, please download this from the API, cache it and return it to me. Uh, things like that might be in services or that may be a separate, uh, a separate thing entirely. Uh, but I think having models sort of be um, at least the, the most basic part of the core functionality uh, is pretty nice to have. And uh, what else? We probably have some sort of storage or persistence. This could be like core data, uh, maybe cloud kit, or maybe that's a separate one entirely, uh, maybe caching. So there's some sort of persistence related concerns uh, that might go in their own module. And then we uh, have networking. So. You don't have to have all these. This is like APIs, um, JSON decoding or something. Um, 
maybe maybe you have your own networking wrapper or helpers that work with Alamo Fire or something like that. Uh, helpers. So there's lots of stuff that can go in this networking uh, module. And this is just kind of a suggestion of things that you, uh, you could break these things down in case it wasn't clear, like kind of like this, right? These are some initial things that most applications have that we could start to, to think about how to break things up. Oops, I forgot one. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about is features. And this is kind of like a really, uh, once, once you have this modular architecture, you can ship an individual feature as its own module. And this is kind of where I think the power is. The, the example app uh, allows you to iterate on this and allows you to show it off as you're working without having to do things like logging in, without having the environment set up exactly the way you want to, uh, or rather, you don't necessarily have to manually set up the, the state of the application in a way that allows you to test it, especially if this thing depends on things like uh, dates and times or uh, you know a state of a given user account or the state of the device you're in. Uh, you don't want to actually depend on those things. You want to depend on abstractions so that you could simulate all these various concerns and then be able to showcase those, uh, those off. This is a, a huge productivity win, and it's uh, something that, you can enable this once you have adopted a modular architecture. But until you've sort of thought through these dependencies and broken apart uh, things and isolated things, it's kind of hard to introduce the idea of a feature module because everything depends on everything. Okay, so that is an overview of what we're gonna be covering in the series. So next time, let's actually jump into Xcode and work on a real project. I'm gonna take the uh, dinnertime Xcode project that we worked on in the localization series and we're gonna break that apart into modules uh, using these strategies. And it's not the most complex application, it's not very big, there's not much code to it, uh, but it will serve as a test bed for us to try out these ideas. All right, and with that out of the way, we'll see you in the next episode.